0: Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s, from great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style motherhood talk radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us being all you can be starts right here right now let's do it here's your host sandra beck
1: Hey, everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here today with Shannon Perry, and she's written and spoke and advocated for teens and tweens and written some great books uh, for teen girls. And I will tell you, I have only teen boys, but they are worth reading because kids are kids and dating is dating. And even if it's not applicable directly to your teen, you can give some great advice to your teen after reading this book. It gave me a lot of insight for my teen boys and helping them understand kind of what's going on on the other end of the spectrum. So but before we do, I want you to introduce yourself and you've got a great story to tell us about your son.
2: I do. Well, thanks so much, Sandra, for having me on. First of all, I love what you do. I love what you stand for and being a military mom myself. Thank you so much for getting the word out about with the great information that you share. And I do have a very special story. Uh, my son who's behind me, he was, I, he's actually not my biological child. But when I was 36 years old, I wanted to be three things. And one of them was a mom. And I was not a mom. And it wasn't for a lot. La- I was not married. It wasn't for a lack of looking, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And so I had been dating all these people and But, but the second year I taught first grade, this beautiful little blonde haired blue eyed boy walked into my classroom and he stuck out his hand and he said, hi, my name is Sean. And I thought you were the cutest thing I have ever seen in my life. And then when I looked up and I saw daddy, I knew why he was so cute. So this (laughs) daddy was not just cute. He was a single father, this little boy's mom, when he was three years old, walked out on them and said, I don't want him. I don't want you. And she left and he grew up without a mom and every Monday morning, as you you know, any educators know way more about your families than we ever should or could know if we write in our journals. And so these first graders are writing in their journals and Sean's writing things like This weekend, my dad and I went on a picnic, and he makes the best peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I wish I had a mom who could make me peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I hit a home run this this weekend at the ballpark. I wish I had a mom who could see me do that. Well, I know you're not supposed to have a favorite, Sandra, when you're a teacher, but I did, and his name was Sean. And so fast forward, of course, daddy was single, and I was single, and he would always ask me out, and I'd have to say, no, I don't date my dad's. It was kind of my policy. Well, fast forward 10 years later, and um, I just decided, you know, it's time, time to get get the show on the road. And so I met a guy, he was an attorney, he was good looking, you know, and so I thought this has to be right. Well, about six months into that, um, engagement, we got engaged and about six months into that engagement, and um, he wanted to build a swimming pool. And I remembered this single daddy built swimming pools. And so I called him up and I said, so I said, uh, I said, I don't know if you remember me or not, but I was your son's first grade teacher. And he said, oh yeah, I remember you. Are you still single? I thought <laughs> he's so desperate, but I didn't say it out loud. And so anyway, um fast forward to this engagement I found out some things about this guy that I could not marry and broke it off with him and I was just devastated I was in that place where I was just rocked and um I needed some seniors at this point Sean was going to be a senior and I needed some seniors I was a school teacher and a school counselor at the time and I needed some seniors to work at the school and so I I kind of well I did you Sean as a ruse and I called daddy up and um And he said, so are you still engaged? And I had told him I was getting engaged when we were building the pool. And I said, no. And he said, oh, great. Okay, And he said, uh, it's my birthday today, and I would love nothing more for you to come to dinner with Sean and I. And honey, that is the fastest I've ever thrown my clothes on, thrown my makeup on, got my hair fixed, and boom, I was at his door with a card. And we went out that night. And you know, Sandra, sometimes you just know. And I knew that night, this whole story had been adding up for this moment. And six months later, we were engaged. And that little boy, who used to sit and say, I would pray at night and ask God, what is so wrong with me that I didn't get a mom? Why didn't my mom love me? Why would, Why can't I have a mom? He didn't know I was praying the same thing. Please, Lord, I wanna be a mom. And uh, Sean used to sit in my classroom in first grade and he would fly his fingers like an airplane, not paying any attention to anything. <laughs> I and I'd have to say, Sean Perry, bring that plane in for a landing. And uh, I had the privilege of watching him walk out of the tunnel at the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And when he walked out in that uniform behind me, he called me something that I think is the most... It's the, it's the biggest blessing that any of us listening who are moms know this. He put his hand over his heart and he, we had a nickname for me because I wasn't his biological mom. Right. and I didn't want him to feel like he had to call me mom. He put his hand over his heart and somehow he found me up in the stands and he said, I love you, mom. And I said, I love you, Sean Perry. And that is our story because I didn't give birth to him, but I want to tell you, I would do anything for this child. And as moms, we know we would do anything for our kids. Yes, it's okay to cry because everybody (laughs) cries when I tell them, but that's, that's just the miracle of when things are, how God works together and how he weaves our lives together. And that's our story. And I am proud to tell you that he went on to graduate. He went on to fly, be a C-17 pilot. He's done multiple tours. Um, I can talk to moms about multiple ways to handle tours and going overseas. And also, um, he is getting ready to be a Lieutenant Colonel. He is working toward that now. So extremely proud mom, but extremely blessed that he chose
1: to call me mom. Oh, I love that. That is just, (laughs) that not only warms my heart, it's a beautiful story, but it it has a happy ending. And I think, you know, when we're raising teens, especially, you know, you met this little guy when he was, you know, in first grade and they're just so stinking cute when they're at that age. But (laughs) to meet him as a teen, to come back into his life at that point um, is really astounding because teens are a handful, Yes, they are. They're marinating in hormones. Any parent who's got teen kids, like watch out because, you know, you don't know what you're going to wake up to in the morning. That's
2: exactly right. And I was blessed to be able to come in on the tail end of all that. And I will will say Sean was such a, he, he was such an easy kid. Even his dad would say that he just was an easy kid. And, you know, but but still they're, they're teenagers, like you said, and their feelings are all over the place. And so that's one of the things that we talk about. As you mentioned, I travel teaching a conference for moms and teen daughters called In Her Shoes. And uh, we have seen just incredible things happen. Uh, we had one mom who saw me on an interview on CBS and she said, um, I, you know, I, I had to come and I sat down with her. I saw her sitting by herself. And I sat down with her and I said, um, where's your daughter? And she said, she's not here. And I don't know if she's coming. She said, she ran away two weeks ago and she's got a lot of problems, but I wanted to hear what you had to say because I wanted to see what I could do to help her. And she said, um, in about two in about two minutes before I stepped on stage, Sandra, here comes this girl down the aisle of this church and she sits on the front row with her mom and she's mad. She could tell she's got her arms crossed. She doesn't want to be there, but she's there. And by the end of our event, they are hugging, they're embracing because I had them talking to each other all day long about different things. And, and that little girl, what, they walked out arm in arm when that event was over and, and she went home with her mama. And so those are just, that's just one story of, of many I could tell about the things that are happening at our In Her Shoes events because moms and daughters and moms and sons need that opportunity to, to connect where they can just sit and talk. We don't do that a lot anymore. We're doing this all the time. And we have that face-to-face, that one-on-one connection at those events
1: well and the most important thing that i can can think of it from being a parent and i'm the parent in the neighborhood where i'm single i have been single since my kids were toddlers so the kids don't look at me as a real mom you know because i i i don't drive the kind of mom car i don't have the mom hair i don't do the mom things you know i'm always juggling and running and so as a result, I've been blessed with all these teens coming in because when they can't go home or they don't want to go home, I say, well, you can always come to my house. Like, it, I'd rather have you somewhere safe than and the kids don't look at me or the young adults don't look at me as a real mom and or an adult even. And actually, my sons thought my work was being a spy. So that gives you an idea of like how far off, you know, and their imaginations are. But one of the things that you provide for them, because it's one of the things that, that teens de- desperately need, is a bridge. You know, what I heard you say was, you know, you got them talking. You got them talking about things. And I think one of the things that I see parents do a lot, and I'm not a parent educator, I'm just a flipping radio host, but I talk to people all day long, and I talk to teens All day long. They work for my company. They, as a single mom in Southern California, I hire teens to do everything. A teen drives my younger kid. Um, but not having that bridge to open the door for just something neutral. You know, the parents want to get right to the point. I want to know, like, why you ran away. I want to know, you know, why you were smoking this. I want to know why you you called this boy when, you know, go right to that problem. And this is where something interesting happens, I think. And I would love your take on it because I've told my kids this and I tell their friends this. If you don't want to tell me something in person, text it to me. And I've gotten some texts, I'll tell you, that will cause my hair to stand on end. And I answer with, I will come get you. Like, and it's really a lot easier as a friend of a kid than being the parent of the child, but they need a bridge. And so... Let's talk about bridging conversations because even though you might want to rip your kids' head off and scream at them and go, why you're such a smart kid, why would you do this? You know, you gotta talk about something you saw in the news. You gotta have a warm-up. There's gotta be some foreplay. Like That's
2: that's right. That's right. Well, first of all, Sandra, kudos to you for being a single mom and doing all that you do, because mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I really uh, support our moms, I you know, I call them bonus moms if they're stepmoms, not, I don't call them stepmoms, Sean never lets me use that term, uh, they're bonus moms, uh, you know, and in, in single moms, so many single moms will come and say, I I just feel overloaded. I just, and so kudos to you, first of all, for balancing all of that, but you're right. We have to build that bridge. And just as we feel like we don't want to talk to people that we don't trust, our kids don't want to talk to someone that they don't trust. And so I think the main thing that we have to remember is even though we are the parent and we do have to be the parent and we do have to play that role. We, we do get in trouble when we try to be so much of their friend because then they start trying to manipulate and build the, you know, and, and kind of change the boundaries, if you will, to work for them. And we do have to have healthy boundaries in place with our kids, but that's love. That's why
1: we set them. Right. And so I think part and of the Let's just conversation... talk really quickly before you continue. I just want to clarify to everybody what a boundary is because A lot of people have a hard time, and I did. And when you think of a boundary, I want you guys to think of a road you're driving on, and they're guardrails. And the guardrails keep you from falling off the side of the road or hitting an oncoming car. You know, all of these things, they kind of keep you in your lane so you can drive safe and you can be healthy and get where you're going. That's what a boundary is. I know a lot of therapists say, oh, it's the the line between where I end and you begin. And all this stuff means nothing to me because I don't walk around with a chalk outline <laughs> around me of knowing right. like where that is. But if I think of a guardrail as a boundary going, okay, if I go off here, bad things are going to happen. If I go off to this side, bad things are going to happen for me. So that's where I need to stay. And I just wanted to jump in and Claire, because we use the word boundary. But when I first learned about boundaries, I didn't even know what that meant. Well,
2: boundaries, you're right, Cassandra. Boundaries are, are first of all, set out of love. Uh, They're not set out of control. They're not set out of I'm here and you're here. Um, boundaries are set because we both want to have a good relationship not only if we go out of those lines do we get hurt our kids get hurt and we and things start to fall apart and the wheels start to fall off and then we're all feeling chaos and wondering what what just happened. and so I think clear communication first of all uh, with trust is the first thing that has to happen. So let me kind of identify that. Yeah. A lot of times we think our kids, we assume a lot about our children, uh, just because now you're a teenager, you're you're 16, you should know this. Well, if we think about when we were 16, we didn't know a lot of this stuff, oh and God. so for to to my, I always encourage parents to make a date with your child once a week. And if you have more than one, I know this can get really complicated, but do it anyway. Absolutely. Uh, put the phone down put the phone down, leave the phone at home, leave that because uh, too many times when I go out, I see people and and I'm talking about adults too, doing Mm -hmm. this instead of having that face-to-face and we've lost that ability to have that face-to-face connection. And it's good for them to text if they're in trouble. That's a great outlet, but we've got to also have that face-to-face connection in just to get into their life. And too many times I hear a lot of my teen girls that I talk to anyway, they say, the biggest thing I worry about is my mom judges me. And oh. so I think that that's a really important point for us to remember as parents is they hate to feel judged. Well, we don't like to feel judged right. either. Who does? And That's right. And so one of the ways that we can keep our kids from feeling judged is when we get into their world. And I'm not saying we need to know every detail because they're not going to tell you. I just don't want you to be upset when that happens. They do want some privacy. They do want some. And you say, well, I'm their mom. I should be able to get no. into everything. Of their life, you know what we we have that ability if we need it, but we also build we also build trust with them when we give them the opportunity to have a little bit of space, and as long as they're not outside the lines or outside the guardrails, as you say, then we don't need to invade their life with tons of questions because what they hear what you're trying to do is build a bridge a lot of times what they hear is you don't trust me right and so i think a common phrase we need to use is honey i just want to let you know i'm proud of you i trust you i trust your judgment i know we've talked about this before can we revisit this that's another way to say instead of well we've talked about this a hundred times and this is still happening Let's go back and kind of rephrase some things and say, hey, could we revisit this and talk about this again? I know we're both learning. And so and so that puts you in that um, non uh, compete category, if you will, where they feel they're being judged and we're the judge and jury. It puts us on a level where we're not saying that you can do whatever you want to. We're saying, I want to connect with you in a way where there's trust built and that's the bridge that's built. And so one, I say, make a date with your child every week. I
1: know that's hard, I know, but what's more important. We we only have have to be, you know, the whole evening. Like I will tell you, this was you gave yeah. such great advice and it was one of the things that I do with both of my and I have boys and yeah. I will tell you there's a big difference between having a conversation with a boy and having a yeah. conversation with a girl Very different. the girls when they come to my house I make tea I put cookies out we sit at the table we look at each other we talk we laugh we cry the whole thing yeah. when yeah. I do this with my boys especially my younger one I will sit with him with a video controller and let him beat me in whatever game yeah. he's playing <laughs> or my older one we go shopping and we talk as we walk around the aisles but that direct eye contact and it might be for girls i only have boys so i can only share that information but not everybody can sustain that intensity of Mm -hmm. eye to eye so what you could be drawing driving you could be my son Mm -hmm. and i ride bikes at the gym and we work out together these are things that take away that pressure you know that pressure of having that that conversation and the other thing that i think um you know i'm not a parent expert or educator but it worked for me was to tell the kids about things that i did that weren't so great because i think a lot of and i see my peer parents you know they talk about their achievements and they did this and they did that and i watch their kid get smaller and smaller and smaller and when I tell the kids, the goofy or the young adults, the goofy things I did, or, you know, like I made a mistake at work and I, I, I called a commander, um, I busted him down like nine ranks and he was all <laughs> upset and it was just an error, you know, I just had a reading error right. and, you know, sharing some things with your kids or the kids you're involved with that show you're not perfect Correct. That goes a long way to opening a door to a kid who's made a mistake, or at least they think they've made a mistake. That's exactly right. And that also
2: balances that not that feeling of not being judged. Oh, you, you're not judging me because you understand where I'm coming from. You've done the same thing. And you made a good point, Sandra. The eye to eye that I'm talking about is more about. Just putting your phone down and really being present. Yeah, and I, like you said, I don't care what you're doing because guys are very different. I can say that from Sean. They can only handle the the conversation because they're we we've been given forty thousand more words a day than guys have first of <laughs> all, and so we we love to talk. But guys are like, um, can we be done now? And so activities with guys. Uh, many people have asked me, will you do a mother uh, son event? And I said, no, I think a man, I want a man to do that only because I want them to go out and I want them to do hunting or fishing or whatever it is. Guys like to do video games, ride bikes, whatever. And so spending intentional time together is, is key. And so set that time every week for your date night and spend that intentional time. And then the second thing, that I always remind the kids and as parents, you may want to take this and, and teach this to them. And it's in the book, stand that uh, you're talking, that you're referring to. I tell the kids to set up a meeting as you would with a, as a business owner, set up a meeting with your parents. Uh, parents are busy, parents often don't see things that are happening. And so when you want to talk about something, a lot of times parents are like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be with you in a minute. Or, cause we're just as guilty of kind of brushing them off as they are brushing us off a lot of times. And so, because we get in our own little circle and so I tell the kids make a plan to have a meeting with your parents and set it up, and get on their calendar and say at a, a Friday night at you know four o'clock before I go out, could we sit down and talk? And then we go through the steps of in the book, and I know we don't have time to go through them, but in the steps I remind them if it gets heated what to do say may i be excused for a minute and get up and walk away Uh, if you're in the meeting and you want to you need a solution let them know Uh, start off with two or three things that you appreciate about your parents and we need to do the same thing as parents with our kids instead of as you said go in there and just say well you know we talked about this a hundred times you're still doing this and walk in and tell them, a co- nobody wants to be bombarded. Nobody wants to be berated. So go in and start it off the conversation. And it may be that they picked up their underwear off the floor that day. I mean, whatever it is, compliment them on something, a couple of things that you see they're doing right. You can find at least two things great about your kids. There's a lot more, I know, but at least two things. And then gently go into, hey, you know, we have revisited this before. Um, could we... we talk about this again but for the kids I let them know when it gets heated same thing for parents take a time out and if it's not a good time to find the solution don't just brush it off because what happens as we know those layers on layers just get built up instead set up another meeting and say hey let's take some time let's come back to this on Wednesday at two o'clock after we've had some time to think about it in the meantime go back and if you like to write, get a journal, if you like to talk, get your phone and talk into it and talk out what's going on inside of your heart, inside of your head and put that down on paper or put that in your phone. And then you'll have some opportunity to kind of visit that and find some ways to uh, to positively Uh, connect with them and say, Hey, this is what's going on with me. Let's talk about this and keep doing that until you get, you may, it may take a while to get to a solution. You may not solve it in the first one or two times, but find small things you can do. Okay. We talked about the fact that you didn't come home on time this week. Uh, You know, that's been a kind of recurring thing that we're doing. So instead of this is a lot of parents are guilty of this, give me your phone. (laughs) Right. Well, I have this, cell
1: You're cell t- tired. It's, it's fast. It's easy. Right, that's right.
2: I, and you know, you're going to hit them in the gut when you do it. And yep. so in my book for parents, the overlooked generation, I give a cell phone contract for parents and for teens, and it works for everybody. And what's so great about this contract, Sandra, is it's done ahead of time so that parents can't act out of emotion and kids know what to expect whenever their phone is going to get taken away because phones are a good, are a good bartering tool. That does mean something. Or are you them.
1: kidding? Phones are like the cocaine of that generation. Yes. they got to right. get that right. fixed. They've got to have. And what's interesting is you're talking about one of the things that my older son busted at me on when I first started working from home and he did a little presentation in third grade about his mom, you know, his, it was parents day. And he's like, my mom yells at people and then money comes in the FedEx truck. (laughs) And then, you know, so there was like a little Q and a kind of thing. And I, we were driving home and I said, well, you know, I'm coaching and I'm presenting on the radio. So I have to loud. He thought it was, you know, I was yelling at people. And I said, you know, the checks do come in the FedEx and the, you know, the radio sponsor stuff comes in the FedEx and he said, you know what's interesting, mom? And he didn't say it this way, but but he, the gist, gist of it was, he said, sometimes your clients are really rude to you. And he goes, you're so nice to them. He goes, but when Zach and I are rude to you, he's like, you're rude back. And I, you know, I still remember sitting in the car, like my knuckles going, because you know what? He was absolutely 100% right. He was third, fourth grade. And he's like, so your clients can be rude to you and your coworkers. Or sometimes in those days, I had radio shows where I was just given people to interview. I didn't have my choice in those days. So sometimes I'd get pontificating blowhards or I might get some, you know, narcissist on there, you know, telling me or a woman hater, whatever it was. And I just had to take it because I wanted my paycheck. And then I thought about it. It's like, you're right. I have the ability to stay in control, right? I mean, we go to work and our boss, we don't get a raise. We have all sorts of disappointments. So it's not that we can't do it. So when did it become okay for us to take our professional self, throw it out the window and become this out of control you know, person that would either, yell, you know, you'd never yell back at a client. You'd be out of business tomorrow. So why would you yell back at your kid? You know, I always say to people, if you want it to be important in your
2: kid's life, make it important in your life. If you don't want it to be important in your kid's life, don't make it important in your life. And it's respect, you get your modeling. And so we have to remember that our kids are really good at I always love to tell the story about the time that um, I led worship at a really big church here in Houston. And my husband and I, you know, Sunday morning is a great time to fight before you go to church. <laughs> and so here we go. We're going to church and we're doing this thing, you know, but what happens when we get to the church parking lot, you know, church phase. Yeah. So I'm up on the stage and I'm leading worship and it's all, and I'm happy and smiling. And I see my husband down the front row and he's sitting like this. <laughs> you know, right, oh, because, he, face. You know, yep. because he knows me. And so I had to own that and say, you know what, you're right. If I'm gonna do it in the car, if I'm not gonna do it on the stage, I shouldn't be doing it in the car. That's and right. I think that's really good, a strong point. And then another thing I wanna remind parents, Sandra, who are listening is, I know parent, parenting is hard. It's sure. just hard. And so what, a lot of times we just think, well, you know what? I'm just tired of fighting that battle. I'm just gonna let it go. I wanna encourage parents who are listening don't stop fighting the battle. Your kids, if there's anything in this world we're fighting for, it is your relationship with your children next to our relationship with God. It's our relationship with our children because you're going to impact them, but they're impacting the next generation, your grandkids yep. and their kids and their kids. And so we have such a powerful place. And as a parent to impact generations to come when we're no longer even here just because we said, I'm going to dig in my heels. I'm going to be a warrior. I'm not going to give up. I've raised warriors. I've, I've helped raise a warrior. I've learned a lot from him mentality wise of not getting Put digging my heels. And we've got to dig our heels in and say, I'm going to continue to revisit this. And our kids may say, gosh, we've talked about this a hundred times. You're right. And today's 101. That's and right. we're going to revisit this. And I'm not, and because Our kids need to know a lot of parents that I talk to anyway, say they just push me away. They won't talk to me. They won't communicate with me. And a lot of it is that if they think if they can do that long enough, we'll go away. And we lovingly need to remind our kids, I love you so much. I'm not going away. I'm going to gently come into your life and I'm going to gently say, hey, this is a reminder. This is what's happening. And we're going to continue this relationship because I love you that much. And so parents don't give up when you're in the trenches. It's hard. It's overwhelming at times. I know. And uh, if they won't talk to you, keep telling them you love them anyway. Our kids sometimes I've talked to kids that tell me, I think my parents don't love me anymore because I've really been difficult. Oh, your, your parents adore you. But when we don't remind them of that and say, hey, I love you enough to not let you do this thing then that's where they get it. And cell phones are a really big deal. We talked a little bit about phones and I know our time is tight, but just to mention that a lot of times kids will say, why do my parents want to get into my cell phone? Why do my parents have to know what's going on in my world and my social media accounts and all of that? And I think we've got to remind our kids and I always remind them of this. And it's so refreshing when kids go, oh, I get it. Our kids, if we trust our children, I'm going from that angle. If we trust our children, we have to remind them, baby, I trust you. I don't trust the world out there because it there's just some. And that's how and that's where human traffickers are targeting our kids. They're not doing it in person. They're doing it in social media and reminding our kids the way that they're targeted. And I say our kids because they're targeting boys and girls, is is that they are they are looking for kids who will get online and say my life is terrible I hate my mom yep. you know right. they and here them. they come and so just to remind our children baby I trust you it's those other kids that I don't trust and that I think that's a really really important point to to drive home to
1: well and I think it's one of those things too where you know the conversations that I've had with my kids I have to use social media for my work but I say mm-hmm. you know but I'm careful about what I Put up there, and I've showed them some mistakes that I've made over the years. I'm like, you look, we all post things we shouldn't. We all, you know, everybody does that. So I think it, it, taking it from a you're doing this and this is bad for you to making it look, we all post things we shouldn't, we all make comments we shouldn't. So I'm just trying to help you, because I think the likelihood, you know, predators absolutely are out there, but they're a very small segment of the population. Where the majority of the damage comes from is the kid sitting behind your kid in class who screenshots your kid's stuff, makes fun of it and sends it to all the other kids. And that happened to my kid in eighth grade, he was doing TikToks and he was doing love songs and he's an eighth grade boy so some kids screenshotted and made this collection of it and mocked the crap out of him, and that was a really hard lesson for my little guy to learn and i showed him some of my original radio show recordings and he's like mom you were Awful. And I was awful because, you know, 16 years ago, I didn't know what I was doing. And I showed them some of the reviews that, you know, everything's still online. Thank God Um, that, you know, she's not the most powerful voice in women's issues today. You know, what does she know about this? I mean, ripped upside one side down the other. We all get trolls. But to show them like, look, this is what's out there. And maybe you're not a radio host, so you don't have these things to show them, but you can show them other people. You can get online with your kid and say, look at these awful things they're saying to this girl. Like, do you want to put yourself up for that? And heaven forbid, you better not pile on. Like, this is where, you know, getting involved with your kids' social media means getting involved in your social media use because it's all out there and show them when, you know, go on to a news agency and look at what awful things people write and say, yes. before you put on anything up there, you've got to protect yourself. Like I have to protect myself when I, uh, my shows get run through a sponsor. So I don't get sued. You know, these are conversations, but I think it's much more about what's going on rather than don't do this. Don't do that. Be afraid of this, be afraid of that. Because I'll tell you the teens that come to my house, especially in the tweens, they're like, "Ah, my mom's afraid of everything. Now you've just been summarily discounted. So having a conversation on, Hey, what's going on in here and being involved in your kid's life, not as a buddy or as a friend, but as a mentor, as a coach, as somebody who knows what's going on. Yeah,
2: it is a mod. It's modeling. It's what it is. You know, we we can live out what we want our kids to become. They may or may not. They may choose not to follow that, but we can live out loud right in front of them what we are trying to instill in them. And I trust and I have seen it firsthand, just like that mom that came into that place uh, after that interview on CBS. She modeled coming to that event. And that girl said, you know what, there must be something important to that. She told me later, even though I really didn't want to come and be with my mom. I knew my mom was going to that. And so time after time, I, I've I've seen these girls and these moms, and I use that as, as an experience from sure. from where I come from. When they walk in, a lot of these girls are like, I do not want to spend a Saturday with my mom. I don't want to spend of course a not. What kid and would? That's right. But by the end, when I've had them having conversations with each other, and again, we're talking about moms and girls. When they've had conversations with each other the walls begin to come down and by the end they're walking out arm in arm and, and it's because I'm, I know what questions to ask sure. then they are building those bridges like you've talked about but modeling is key and we, nice. we do lecture a lot of what we if we're if we're again if we want to make it important in our kids' life it's got to be important in our life it's got to be happening in our life and so modeling is is such a huge key uh, to everything that our kids are doing and if they don't catch on again lovingly, draw those boundaries, draw those places to where say, I, I, I sense that you may be getting into an area over here that is not going to be healthy for you. And so we need to figure out how we can get back over here. A lot of times, you know, our kids say, well, you don't like my friends. You don't like the guy I'm dating. You know, that's a whole nother story. Girl, girl, the girl I'm dating. And how do we talk to them about that? You know, again, tell them stories of things that you have had happen to you, where you said, I dated this guy. And I do that in my conferences, the guys that I've dated that just, I thought, because I was a little naive, uh, I thought they had my best interest at heart, but when guys are or, or girls are constantly checking your cell phone, and there's drama, and there's uh, there's they're, they're, they act one way in public and another way in private. You know, I always teach the world, they need to go bye bye because yeah. there's a lot of other people out there who will who will treat you well. So teaching our kids to respect themselves. And knowing what is so important about them, what are their their characteristics that are so uh, just wonderful. We know that they're wonderful all the way around, but help them find those things that they feel really good about. Help them find those areas where they can succeed. It's not about what they do, it's about who they are. And so we've got to help them realize from the core up that this is who you are, this is why you deserve the best treatment. You you deserve, uh, because, and again, modeling, I've been treated this way, this is, how this turns out, and nine times out of ten, they come back, and I hate to say it, but they, and I love to say it, actually, they say you were right. We're right, right, <laughs> so exactly. They may
1: not ever say it, but they know.
2: And well, and so- one of the
1: the things that I taught my boys, and I've taught all their friends, because I think when you're young, and even when you're like you know, I was forty going out into the dating world after fifteen years, and I I knew nothing. I was like you know another twenty two year old um coming out of the blocks, but one of the things that i learned and i share with my kids because sometimes you don't know what the right thing is to do and you can have overwhelming evidence coming in so i taught them the head check heart check gut check so if you're meeting someone in the head the head might go oh they're good looking they're rich they're successful they're whatever then the heart will say well gee, I don't feel anything in my heart. And then the gut might feel nervous. So doing a head check, heart check, gut check, because a lot of times our heart can lead us down a road we don't wanna go, but so can our head. And usually your gut is never wrong. And teaching your kid to trust their gut is, it's such a weird term, like trust your gut. What does that mean? It's like, well, if you walk in a room, do you feel nervous or scared? Well, maybe you should check your heart, check your head. And make sure all three are in alignment. And when I said to my kid, um, do head check, heart check, gut check on this girl who kept texting him, texting him. I said, well, what does it make you feel? He goes, well, he goes, I think I'm attractive. I think I'm this. And I said, well, how does your heart feel? He goes, eh, mom, not so much. And then I said, what about your gut? And he goes, well, my gut tells me she wants something from me. That's a really good way to train. train and you can teach a third grader. You can teach a sixth grader. You can teach, because here's the thing. I did not follow my head check, heart check, gut check when I got married. If I had, things would have been different. The first couple guys I dated, a couple of fighter pilots came my way. If I had done the head check, heart check, gut check, I would have kicked them to the curb a lot sooner to find happiness. So I hope that's something that, you know, you can support and maybe use in your teachings and spread the word to teach our kids, to use all of the senses that they have.
2: That's good. In pre-teaching, that's a, that's a teacher phrase, but I'm going to throw it out there because I, when I, in my conferences, what we do as moms and daughters is we have that conversation of what are some things you're looking for in a good guy? We talk about what a good guy is, and then what are those things that you're looking for? So that way, what are some red flags that you can see, like you said, your gut what are some red flags that you would say? You know, I'm not really comfortable with that. So having that conversation uh, is is important because at least they they may forget it a little bit when they meet this person, and then their head or heart ex- they think it's exploding. But you go back to. We've all been there. You go back to hold up. I think that I remember saying if I saw this in a person, this was going to be out of my boundary. This was going to be right. something that it would take me off the road. And so pre pre teach those things, have those conversations yes. with your kids ahead of time and and help them understand. What are you looking for? It's not just about, oh, I met this guy and I got these gooey feelings and now it's like Hallmark and it's just great. You know, because that we, we, we know we've all gotten in trouble there and, ha- and have that conversation of what are your morals? Right. What are the things that are important to you? What are the things that if a guy did this, you would say? You know, that's a deal breaker for me. What are your deal breakers? What are things? how about with a
1: girlfriend? How about with you know the soccer girls are all going to do something? Head check, heart check, gut check. Are you in alignment? Is this what you want to do? Because your ego might say, "Oh, this is so great. This guy likes me," or "Oh, the the popular girls want me to do this." You know, these things, these decisions we make, that's how I ended up on a, I went, fell asleep on a train in Illinois, and I woke up in Indiana, because I was too young, I wanted to be with the popular girls, and what did they do? They left me on a train. And I ended up in another state. So... If I had looked at my head check, heart check, gut check, or like you said, did that values check or your morals check and go, okay, my ego thinks it's nice that these girls want me to be with them, but my gut felt really nervous and unsure. And I'm like, I should have stayed home. You know, yeah. bad things could happen to me. Thank God they didn't. But if we only listen to our head, if we only listen to our heart and we don't listen to our gut and we're not trained in this little intelligence that God gave us within our own body, um, we've got lots of evidence that can come from within that we don't need to be so influenced by the things on the outside. So Absolutely. I want you guys to get a hold of Shannon Perry. Go ahead and check out her website. Which website are we promoting today?
2: Well, you can do either one. ShannonPerry.com or if you want to look at the Mother Daughter Tour, we're doing them all over the country in tour.com. We've got a bus that's going to, ev- going to every state that will have us. And so if there's anybody listening who is interested in having an event and hosting an event, you can reach
1: out there and we'd love to talk to you about doing that. I love that. Love that. And if you have sons... Go ahead and get a copy of this book because those sons are going to be attracting daughters. (laughs) We'll be back again next week with another great episode.
0: Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Join us again. We've got something you won't want to miss. Motherhood Talk Radio is a production of Beck Multimedia.